I'm going to start off this sermon by asking you a question. And it's, it might be a question that like, you've never been asked before, but I'm pretty sure that everyone in the room will have an answer. It's something that you've just kind of thought about, but maybe you've never actually answered like verbally. Here's the question. The question is this. What is your favorite logo? Your favorite logo. So maybe it's your favorite company or your favorite sports team or something like that has a really cool logo. Maybe you have a hat or a shirt with a logo on it that's like your favorite logo. I want you just to start shouting answers to me. What, who, what's your favorite logo? Starbucks. Vans. Taco Bell. Amen. What did you say? Chargers logo. In-N-Out logo. All right. Let me hear something over here. Chick-fil-A. We had, yeah, we said that last night too. Chick-fil-A. Compass Bible Church logo. CBI. All right. Let me hear one more from over here somewhere. What did you say? Pill? What? Billabong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. True North. Get out. <laughs> the Narrow has a cool logo. Yeah. All right. Let me hear one over here. One over here. One Piece, the show. Okay. Okay. Last one. The Sermon logo. The Sermon logo? That's a graphic. Train. That's also a graphic. Anyways, hey, listen. All right. Focus, focus, focus point is that you've seen logos and logos are cool. When I was, when I was in high school, my, my school kind of recreated the, the logo that we had. It was, it, it was a lot different and they changed it and it looked really cool. And again, I forgot to bring a picture. I'll just show you guys later, I guess. But if you guys have ever seen the, the University of Virginia sports team logo, it has the V and the swords through it. So I played, my school was called Calvary. And so it was a C with the swords, just like the University of Virginia. So it was pretty cool. We liked it a lot. And my school started putting this logo on everything. Like we had a school store. We could buy like hats and socks and different shirts, like t-shirts. And it had this logo everywhere. And everyone in the school, we just loved this logo. So we were buying everything. We wanted to wear it all the time. And everywhere we went, like in public, we wanted to wear this logo. It was just super cool. We wanted to wear the logo everywhere. Well, I played for Calvary's football team. We were the Calvary Cavaliers, and of course the logo was getting put on our jerseys and our helmets and everything like that. And, uh, and there was one day where my coach, I think I've told you a few stories about my coach already, but he was a really wise and godly man. My coach, after practice, he said, hey, listen, you need to understand that you belong to this team. So if you're wearing the logo, that's a sign that you belong to this football team. You need to be careful about the way that you act. You need to be careful about when you're in public, the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying, when you are wearing the, this logo, because you're out there and you are representing the school and you're representing the football team. So if you're out in public and you're being dumb and making bad decisions and people are seeing that, that's a bad reflection of the school and of the team because they're just going to look at you, they're going to see the logo, and everybody's, everybody knows, oh yeah, that's Calvary's logo. They're going to go, okay, those kids go to Calvary. They're being bad. That's bad news. And it doesn't look good for the team. So my coach would say, hey, you've got to make sure that you are doing the right thing, especially whenever you're wearing this logo. You've got to make sure that you are doing what is right and what is honoring to God because you don't want people to have a bad, uh, a bad reflection or, or a bad opinion of this team or the school or anything like that. 
I want you to open your Bibles to the book of First Peter, chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 9. But it's in these verses that Peter explains that Christians are now God's people. Christians belong to God. So just like I belonged to that football team and that logo was showing that I belonged to the team and belonged to the school, Christians belong to God. You are God's people. And as, uh, as Christians, as, as God's people, there are things that you need to prioritize. There are ways God is very clear in his word, especially in the verses we have today, that there are things that you should be doing as God's people in order to represent him well. Just like my, my coach, he wanted his players to represent his team well, everyone who professes to be a Christian should be representing God well. And my coach would often tell us this whenever we would gather together after practice, we'd all get around him and take a knee. And this is when he would pray and maybe he'd give us a little devotion or something. He would say, hey guys, I really want you to think about how you're living. Think about how you're acting. Think about your life. And he would ask, are you representing this team in a good way? And of course he would say, we're not just focused on representing the team, but you need to understand that if you are claiming to be a Christian and you're out there, and you're doing things that are wrong, and doing things that are bad that God hates, and you're sinning, that God is not pleased with that, and that's a bad representation of God. All right, so I want you to think about that today. Think about how are you living? How are you behaving? How are you acting? If you profess to be a Christian, if you say that you've put your trust in Jesus, think about how are you living? When you're around your friends, when you're in public, whenever there's no adults around, when your teachers aren't around, when your pastors and leaders are not around, how are you acting? How are you living? Are you representing God well? Look with me now at the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 9. It says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. God says that you are a chosen race as Christians, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have mercy. You, as a Christian, are a part of God's people, God's family. You need to know that as children of God, as people that are a part of his family, you need to represent him well. But this all starts with point number one, which you can write down like this. Understand that you belong to God. I want you to understand that now that you have put your trust in Jesus, if you have done that, that you belong to him. That you are God's possession. Peter makes it very clear. He says you are possessed by God. Now look, this doesn't mean possessed in the way that like Hollywood portrays demon possession. We're not talking about that. We're talking about ownership. 
that God owns you. He has you in his hands. He possesses you the way that you possess your Bible or the pen that you're holding or something like that. He owns you. You are God's people. All people who trust in Jesus are now considered to be God's people. The Bible says that you were ransomed, that you've been redeemed, that you have been bought back from your bondage to sin with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, he shed his blood on the cross for you in your place so that you could be redeemed from your sin. You understand, you were enslaved to sin. You were in bondage to it, but you were ransomed. Peter already talked about this verse a few verses ago. But you, or I'm sorry, that word ransomed a few verses ago. You were redeemed. So when you put your trust in Jesus, God now owns you. You belong to him. He bought you back. He saved you. He redeemed you from your sin. So when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You don't belong to sin anymore. You now belong to God. You are his. He owns you. He possesses you. And if you do belong to God, then now your whole life is all about him. If you're a Christian, your life is not about you anymore. It's not about what you want and what brings you glory. It's all about God. It's all about what brings God glory. You guys ever heard of a label maker before? You guys ever played with a label maker before? It's pretty fun, right? If we're being honest, like it's fun to play with a label maker. Yeah, Celeste is like, oh yeah, yeah, label makers are fun. When I was younger, I don't know how old I was, but I just remember I was hanging out with my friends and we had these label makers and we, we were, at, I don't know, my house or one of, the, one of the, someone else's house and like we had our stuff with us, you know, like we had like a sleepover and then we started arguing about like what belongs to me, like one of my friends thought that something that I had was his. And I was like, no, this is mine. He was like, no, this is mine. And the other friend was like, no, that's mine. And so what we decided to do was take these label makers and put labels with our names on it and stick like our names on everything that we thought belonged to us. It's so dumb, but we did this. And it was a ton of fun. But we were like, no, this is mine. This belongs to me. This belongs to me. This belongs to me. You need to understand that when you put your trust in Jesus, you belong to God. And it's as if God puts a label on you and he says, my people, mine, you are my people if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. And as people who belong to God, you get to experience several blessings. There are several amazing things that people outside of Christ do not get. The first thing that you get is that you are a chosen race. Peter uses words like chosen and elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God. Things like this. We've talked about God has chosen you. If you're a Christian, it is all because of the grace of God. It has nothing to do with your good works and your actions or anything like that. It is because God in his grace and in his love said, I'm going to save you. Nothing to do with you and your works and your goodness. It's all because of God's amazing grace. You are part of this chosen race. And we're not talking about a literal physical race like ethnicity. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a spiritual reality. You are a spiritual race, a spiritual group of people united in Jesus Christ. 
united by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you have put your trust in Jesus, you are a part of God's chosen race, God's people. And you're also described as a royal priesthood and a holy nation. In the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 6, write that down, Exodus 19, 6, it says this, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Peter, again, is just quoting from the Old Testament. You are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Look, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this idea of the priesthood of believers or the priesthood of all believers. We talked about how in the Old Testament, they relied on the high priest. The priest would go and he would would go into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was behind the big curtain. He could only go in there once a year and he would offer sacrifices. He'd offer sin offerings to God before, to God in order to, you know, atone for the the sins of all of these people. That they relied on the high priest to do this. Only the high priest had this access to God. Normal people didn't have this direct access before Jesus died. But now, we talked about how Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. And when that happened, the curtain, the veil was torn from top to bottom. So it's as if God is ripping this curtain away and he's saying, hey, now, if you put your trust in Jesus, you have access to me. That's how you can, you and me, we can pray to God and God can hear us. We don't rely on a priest. You don't rely on me or your leaders or anybody else for your relationship with God. You can get on your knees and pray to God and have a relationship with him because of what Christ did. And in this way, in that sense, all Christians are priests. The priesthood of believers. And and the Bible says you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood because you are a priest for the royal king, the one true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. A royal priesthood and you are a holy nation. It's not describing a geographical, guys in the back, please pay attention, thank you. We're not talking about a physical geographic location as in United States, Canada, Mexico, anything like that. We're talking about another spiritual nation. Christians are a spiritual race together in a spiritual nation. In Christians, we pledge allegiance to our leader, the leader of our holy nation, Jesus Christ. Not a human, not not a president, no one like that. We are pledging our allegiance to Jesus, to King Jesus, saying, God, my life is about you. You have my loyalty. You have my allegiance. It's all about you and serving you as I'm a part of this holy nation. So we've got these blessings, and of course we have the blessing of being saved from the wrath of God against sin. Peter says, once you were not a people. That doesn't mean that you weren't a person before, because you were clearly a person. You were alive, made in God's image. But he says next, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were nothing before. You were just lost and dead in your trespasses and sins, but now through Christ, you are God's people. You belong to God. Once you you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as God's people, you have the gift, you have the blessing of the mercy of God, that he saved you from sin. He saved you from his wrath against sin. And that's such a blessing. You belong to God. See, 
Exodus 19, I, I told you what verse 6 says, but I'm going to tell you what verse 5 says. Write that down, verses 5 and 6. It says, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. As someone who belongs to God, as someone in the family of God, you are God's treasured possession. I want you to see how amazing it is. that God says that you are his treasured possession. He treasures you. That's how he loves you. You guys remember the things that I shared with you? Things that I treasured when I was a kid? What did I say? I said, tickle me Elmo, and what else? Blanky, the blue blanky, right? I, I treasured those things, and, and I encouraged you to think about things that you treasure. Does anybody have like a blanket that you treasured when you were a kid? I'm not alone, I'm not alone. Yeah, you have something that you treasure. And look, the point of telling you that, listen, the point of telling you that was to say, the way that you treasure those things, you need to think about that, and then you need to treasure Jesus more than that. He needs to be the treasure of your heart. You need to value and love Jesus more than you love anyone or anything else. But now listen to this. This is what God says about you. That you are his treasured possession. So as you treasure Christ above all else, God says that as his people, you are his treasured possession. He loves you that much. You are valuable to him. You are his treasure. So listen, I want you to look at me. Look at me and listen closely. If you ever, if you ever have the feeling that you are worthless, if you ever struggle with thoughts of you're worthless, you're not worth anything, it'd be better if you weren't here, you don't want to be here anymore, you don't like the way that you are, if you struggle, if you think those things ever, you need to understand that you are God's valued and treasured possession that you 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 are his treasured possession you are valuable that as a person who belongs to him now listen if you're a christian of course this is true because you are god's people but even if you're not a christian like if you're here and you're, and you're saying i'm not a christian you are still valuable to god god created you in his image you're not like the animals. You're not like any other created thing. God created you in his image. And there is value in you because of that. So if you're not a Christian, you do need to put your trust in Jesus. And you need to become part of God's people. And then God will treasure you in this special way that he does with his people. But my point is, you are valuable. You are God's treasured possession. Can I, can I hold that pen? Thank you. I'll give it back. You guys see this pen? Can you see it? What do you think about this pen? Is it cool? I mean, how valuable would you say this pen is? If I said, hey, I've got a pen, $2 for the first buyer. Who would actually come up here and buy it? I, I don't believe any of you. I don't believe you. You wouldn't buy it. I don't believe you. You have one. They're free. They're free. You don't have to buy one, right? My point is, look up, look, look, look. Hey, my point is that this pen is really not all that valuable. It's just a regular. Yeah, it's awesome. It has the Compass Bible Church logo. Like, it's really cool. Um, but it's a normal pen. Can we all agree on that? It's a normal pen, and it's not that valuable. Do we all agree? Shh. 
You're getting ahead of me. Stop. He's getting ahead of me. Don't, don't say anything else. Okay. Not a valuable pen. Agree? Yes. Another question for you. Who's your favorite celebrity? Just shout it out. Who's your favorite celebrity? Zendaya, okay. Favorite celebrity? Phil Wickham. NF. I'm not a celebrity. Favorite celebrity? Who? Ryan Reynolds, okay. All right, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Fa- like a, a band, who? Gosling, okay. Jose. Jose Maldonado. I agree. <laughs> KB. Celeste Garcia. <laughs> We're just naming people. All right. All right. Listen. Pastor Mike. Shh. All right. Listen. Listen. Look up here and listen. Everybody, you should have someone in mind. Your favorite actor, actress, singer, something like that. Uh, whatever. Athlete. What if your favorite celebrity walked in those doors right now? And your favorite, hey. And your favorite celebrity said, hey. Pastor Jacob, can I can I use that pen? I want to take notes. I want to take notes with that pen on your sermon. And they sat there and they used the pen and they took notes and then they left. But they left. But they left the pen. Or they they brought the pen back to me. Would you want that pen? Why? You, listen, hey, listen, you would want that pen because someone that you consider to be valuable touched it and used it and you saw it happen and you would take this pen home and you would probably put it on your dresser or your bookshelf and you would just sit there and you'd be like, that's the pen that my favorite celebrity used and it would have value to you. And if somebody came in and tried to take it and touch it and use it, you'd be like, no, you're not using that pen. No one's touching it. That is a valuable pen to me. Okay, listen, here's the point. Here's the point of the story, okay? The value of something can be determined by who it belongs to. The value of something can be determined by who it belongs to. I've been telling you that you belong to God. God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and earth, the God who became flesh, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross in your place, in my place, who rose again, the Savior of the world. You, as a Christian, belong to him. Don't you think that means that you have value? You are his treasured possession. You may just be an ordinary, normal person, just like me, just like all of us, just like this normal pen, okay? But whenever it's in the possession of someone, something valuable, especially God, it has value. You are God's treasured possession, and you never need to think any different. This is what it means that you belong to God. You are His. He possesses you, and that's such a blessing. It's such a wonderful thing to think about. We need to understand that and be confident. Here's your pen back, by the way. Um, 
Christians belong to God. We were chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood that serves the royal king. You are a holy nation set apart by the holy God. You are God's treasured possession. And like I said before, this means that your life is no longer about you. It's not about you anymore. Look at me. If you are a Christian, it's not about you anymore. You need to understand that. It's not about what you want, your desires, anything. It's all about what God wants. It's all about God's glory. You belong to him now. And now that you belong to him and it's all about him, God gives you a job. Did you know that? God has given his people a job to do. And it's something that we all need to be doing. The Bible says this. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Here's point number two. Realize your job is to share the gospel. It is your job to proclaim these things. To proclaim means to publicly announce, to declare in public. What I'm doing right now, this is a proclamation. If you're at the beach and you're swimming and you see a shark, what are you going to do? You're going to yell, shark. You're going to proclaim that for everybody to hear because they need to hear it. Would you not? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Would you not say shark? Would you just be like, you'd just be like, oh, you guys can get eaten by a shark. I don't know. You, as a Christian, hey, look here, look here. As a Christian, it is your job to proclaim the excellencies of God. The excellencies of God. Well, what does it mean that God is excellent? It means that he is extremely good. That he is magnificent. That he is perfect. Everything about God is excellent. Now look, here's another reason why, guys in the back, here's another reason why it's important to know God through his word. Because you need to know what makes him excellent. When you are called and commanded to proclaim his excellencies, you have to know what to say. How are you going to tell others about God and his excellencies if you're not spending time with him? If you're not reading his word and reading about his character and reading about his attributes, how are you going to know what to say? I mean, think about it. If someone approached you right now and said, hey, can you please tell me what makes your God so awesome? What would you say? Would you have a lot of things to say? Or would it just be like a surface level answer? Like, oh, well, you know, would you struggle? No. I hope you wouldn't, but the point is, you learn these things. You know God and his excellencies by reading his word. You'd be spending time in the word of God. So you're proclaiming his excellencies, what makes him so good, what makes him so awesome, what makes him so excellent. And along with this, of course, is you are proclaiming the gospel You're proclaiming that he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You were dead in your sins. You were in the domain of darkness. But what God did through Christ is he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness, and placed you into the kingdom of light, into his marvelous light. God redeemed you. He rescued you from the dominion of sin. 
God did not do that so that you could just keep it to yourself. Look at me. God did not ransom you, rescue you from sin just so you could keep it to yourself. He saved you so that you could share the good news. So you could tell others about what God has done for you and implore them to put their trust in Jesus so that he can do the same thing for them. He saved you so that you could glorify him. So you should be telling others about how awesome God is, about how he rescued you from your sin. It is your job. It is your duty as a Christian to be sharing the gospel with others. It says, that you may proclaim. Other translations, in other words, it says, so that you may proclaim. This is the reason why God possesses you. This is the reason why you now belong to God, so that you can proclaim his excellencies, so that you can now go share the gospel. This is the reason why. This is what he wants from you. This is your job now, is to go and share the gospel. So if you've put your trust in Jesus, are you sharing the gospel with non-Christians? Are you looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus with your friends that don't know him? It's your job. It's what you should be doing. When I was in high school, I was in a really tough English class. I had a really awesome teacher named Mr. Dice. This little bald guy with like a little bit of red hair on the sides and glasses. He was literally like this tall. Awesome. Love the guy so much. Oh, he, by the way, he's, he's in the FBI now. So that's cool. <laughs> He's probably listening to us right now. Anyways, Mr. Dice, right? So, hey, we had this big paper. We had this huge paper that was due, like this crazy paper. And Mr. Dice, he was like a few minutes into his lecture in class, and then he stopped. And he said, you know what, guys? He said, I'm, this is a good stopping point. What I'm going to do, I'm going to stop, and we're going to all walk down to the computer lab. Do you guys have computer labs at school? Yeah. You're homeschooled. Yeah, you're, you're, the computer in your house is your computer lab. <laughs> so he says, we're going to walk down to the computer lab, and you're all going to work on your papers. He said, I am stopping the lecture so that you can go work on your papers. So we went to the computer lab, and I sat at the computer, and do you know what I did instead of working on my paper? I played computer games. I did not know... I did not know that my teacher was sitting at the master computer. And at the master computer, he actually had all the screens of everyone else's computer. It's kind of annoying. But you understand why they do it. So, also what I didn't know is that the master computer can take control of all of the other computers. So I'm playing this game, and all of a sudden my computer freezes. And I was like... I, and then it just shut down. And I was like, I just broke the computer. What did I just do? Well, my teacher is approaching me, and that's when I connected the dots. Oh, he caught me. He saw me. And he, he just looks at me, and he just says, I'm really, I'm really frustrated with you right now. He said, I, I should just make you turn in your paper right now. What you're communicating to me, he said, I stopped my lecture to give you an opportunity to work on your paper. And since you're not working on it, then you must be done, right? So go ahead and turn it in. I was like, no, I'm really sorry, Mr. Dice. I'm not done. I'm not done. I need to finish. And he was just like, well, then work on it. Get it done. He was really upset with me. He wasn't happy. You understand? He 
said, I am going to stop the lecture so that for the purpose of you being able to work on your paper. I had a job to do in that class. He gave me the job, was to work on my paper, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to play games instead. Christians, you have a job to do. God has given you a job, and it is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with lost people. And if you're choosing not to, then you are in direct disobedience to God. You're not doing the job that was given to you. You understand? Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You need to be telling people the gospel. You need to be sharing it with lost people. And listen, when I I tell you guys you need to be evangelizing, I think a lot of times what we can do is we can think of the, the Ray Comfort type of evangelism where they just stand on trash cans in the beach and they just like yell at people and share the gospel. Like there's a place for that. And that's good. And if you do that, then great, because like, people need to hear the gospel. Right? But that's not exactly what I'm telling you guys you need to be doing. Like, If you do, great. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about evangelism this way. Just have conversations with your friends about Jesus. If you have friends that do not know Jesus, then just look for and pray for opportunities to talk to them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Ask them questions. Hey, Do you believe in God? What do you believe? Maybe you have friends who say that they believe in Jesus, who say that they're Christians, but they don't actually understand the gospel properly. And when you ask them, hey, do you think that you could explain the gospel? Like, do you understand it? And then you figure out they don't understand it properly. You have an opportunity to help them, to share it correctly and say, no, this is really what the gospel is. And this is what you need to do. This is what you need to believe in order to be a Christian. You you realize that that that's what you need to be doing. You need to be looking for opportunities to have these conversations with people. Do you guys know people who don't know Jesus? Most of you probably do. Just have conversations with them. Invite them to church. That's the kind of evangelism that you need to be doing. That's, that's, it's, it's right there. It's accessible for you to do it because these people, you're around them all the time, most likely. You need to be doing your job. You need to be sharing the gospel. Now, there's plenty of reasons why you may not share the gospel. If I was to go around the room and ask, hey, what are some reasons why you don't do this regularly? What are some reasons why you are not engaging in this regularly? We, we would hear some things like this. I'm too scared. I don't know how. I don't want to. Or I'm not a Christian. You hear something. Maybe some more answers, but those are probably four of the most popular answers that you would hear. Well, okay. If, you're, if, if your reason is, I'm too scared. I'm nervous. I, I, it's intimidating. First of all, I want to tell you, I understand. I understand. It, it's an intimidating thing to think about. It's, it is kind of scary to think about going and having this conversation because you don't know how they're going to react. You don't know if they're going to reject you. They're going to get mad. You don't know. Okay. But listen, I just read from the Bible the Great Commission when Jesus says, go make disciples. But did you catch how he ended that? He ends the Great Commission by saying, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you need to know 
that even though it's intimidating and at times it's scary, that when you are approaching your friend to have a conversation about the gospel, that Jesus is with you in the moment. That you don't need to be afraid because his presence is there with you. That the Holy Spirit is with you and will give you the words to say and will guide your mouth and will help you to have this conversation. So if, you, if your answer is, I'm afraid, it's intimidating, then just think to yourself, hey, God is with me. And you can find strength and courage to go and have these conversations whenever you're afraid. Or maybe you'll say, I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. Okay? My answer to you is, yeah, you do. Yes, you do. If you profess faith in Jesus, if you say that you're a Christian this morning, that means that you have understood the gospel properly and that you have responded to the gospel properly. And if you can say, Pastor Jacob, yes, I understand it, and I've responded properly, then my answer to you is, then you know what the gospel is. You know what to say. You know how to tell people that there is a creator. He created the heavens and the earth, and he created people, and they sinned, and sin is a problem. And, and if we die in our sins, then we go to hell. But God sent the answer. He sent Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross in my place, and he took the wrath of God for me. And if I believe in Jesus, then I can become a Christian and have a relationship with God. Like I know it just flew through that, okay? But like, don't let that be an excuse. Don't let that be a reason. Do not just say, oh, I'm not sure how, because I think that you do. And if you don't, then here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to practice. You need to refresh your memory on this. You need to just go in your room by yourself and just pretend like you're talking to someone. I know that sounds crazy, but, but why does it sound crazy? Like, let's just start doing that. Pretend to have a conversation. Like, what would you say if someone approached you and said, hey, can you please tell me the gospel? What would you say to that person? Practice it. Think through it. Even say it out loud. I don't know. Because you need to be ready to share the gospel with people whenever they need to hear it. Maybe you say, I don't want to. If you are someone this morning who says, I am a Christian, but I don't want to share the gospel, then I'm really concerned about you. That's concerning to me. Because if you're a Christian and you've been saved by the grace of Jesus, then you should understand what you've been saved from. You should understand the bad news. And as Christians, we should all understand that everyone who doesn't put their trust in Jesus is heading straight to hell, to God's just punishment on them. And we shouldn't want anyone to face that. So it should be our desire as Christians to tell people the gospel, to tell them the good news. Now, maybe the last one I said, maybe your answer would be, well, I'm not a Christian, so I'm not going to share the gospel. Okay, I get it. But you need to put your trust in Jesus. That's what you need to do. If you're here this morning and you're thinking right now, I'm not a Christian, then you need to put your trust in Jesus. He is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the Savior of the world. You need to put your trust in him. So you belong to God. God has given you a job to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as you can. You need to make sure that you are doing your job. And as you are doing your job, as you're doing this, as you're sharing the gospel, God says that you need to do your best to stay away from sin. Here's point number three. Always do what honors Christ. Always do what honors Christ. You need to be determined and resolved to say, I am going to try my best every day to always do what honors Jesus Christ. 
Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is a strong encouragement. He says, I urge you. This is a big deal. He calls them sojourners and exiles. There's these words again. We've talked about this. If you're a Christian, you are just sojourning through the earth. This is not your true home. You really belong to the kingdom of heaven. That's your true home. And as a citizen of heaven, you need to be acting like one. You need to be acting like you belong to God. You need to be staying away from sin. You need to be... um, do not do what your flesh wants to do. Right? Your flesh, your sin nature, it's going to want to sin. But you need to say, I am not going to do that. I'm going to stay away from it. I'm going to abstain. I'm going to avoid the sin. When you are tempted, you need to say no to the temptations that you face. You need to know that every time you're tempted, God has given you a way out. Every single time you are tempted to sin, there is always a way out. You need to be determined to say, okay, I'm going to look for the way out when I'm tempted. I'm going to find the way out because God is faithful. He's given me a way out. I'm going to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Look, the Bible is very clear. A Christian will behave like a Christian. A Christian will behave like God says a Christian should behave. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You need to stay away from sin. You need to live a lifestyle of repentance because these passions are waging war against your soul. And and you know what I'm talking about. It's a war inside of you. There's this constant push and pull back and forth between right and wrong, sin and righteousness. It's hard. It's a fight. It's a war raging inside of your soul. Once again, this is why you need God's word. You need to... You need to know God's word. You need to be fighting this war with the sword of the Spirit. You understand? That's what the Bible says God's word is. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's your weapon against sin and temptation. Peter uses the word conduct again. And all your conduct, in your conduct, in your pattern of life, you need to honor God. You need to honor Christ. And he says, in front of the Gentiles... You need to honor God. And what Peter means is, by pe- that he, he's saying, people who are not Christians. You need to do what is right. You need to honor Christ with your life, in your behavior, before the eyes of people who don't believe in Jesus. They need to see you honoring Jesus. They need to see you doing the right thing. They need to see you living the way that Jesus says you need to live. They need to see it. And it says, even when lost people speak against you as an evildoer, when they're speaking out against you, when they're spreading rumors about you, when they're doing these things, you need to say, okay, they're going to keep doing that, that's fine, but that's not going to change my behavior. I'm still going to do what honors Jesus. Back when Peter was writing this, the early church, they were not spoken of kindly. People didn't like the early church. There were rumors going around that they were cannibals. The body and the blood of Christ, the communion, they were making things up and they were saying, oh, they're eating people, they're cannibals. They knew they weren't, but they were just saying this because they hated them. 
And remember the beginning of 1 Peter, we talked about the fires that broke out. Who got blamed for the fires? Christians. Christians got blamed for the fires. Did they start the fires? No, but they got blamed. They were just, they were hated. But Peter says, even when they speak against you as evildoers and they say you're wrong, keep doing what honors Jesus. Keep honoring God. Always do what honors Christ. Now look, this still happens today, of course. People hate Christians. People hate Christians. Whenever we stand on God's word and say, hey, this is sin, and we call out sin for what it is, people will say, oh, you're being hateful. That's hate speech. You're being violent. You're not tolerating me. This is bad. This is evil. And they say that we're bad. They say that we're evil and we're hate-filled. And maybe one day you're going to face this and your people are going to spread rumors about you and they're going to say that you are evil, you're wicked, and you're not. You're just trying to do what honors Jesus. Well, in that situation, what does God's word say? Keep honoring Jesus. Keep on honoring Jesus. Keep doing what honors Christ. You need to be living in good conduct so that these lost people will see the way that you live and so that it will lead them to Christ. That's what it says here. So that... Uh, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. If you've listened to people share their testimonies before, maybe you've heard someone's testimony and it was similar to this. Maybe they've said, hey, you know, I was not a Christian, but I had friends who were Christians and they were always happy and always polite and it was just always fun and good to be around them and they were always treating people well. And one day I just asked, like, What's going on? How, how are you always happy? How are, how are you always joyful? How do you always have peace? How are you always so loving to people? And the answer is because of Jesus, because I'm doing what honors Jesus. And a lot of times what happens is the person will then like think about Jesus and they'll go to church and they'll read the Bible and then they'll get saved. And what led them there, what started that journey, it was because they saw Christians behave like Christians. They saw people honoring Jesus with their life. You understand that? So you need to understand that your life is communicating something. That you need to make sure that you are honoring Jesus and you are living in righteousness before people that are not Christians because it could lead them to get saved. So you need to be sharing the gospel with your words. You need to be doing what honors Jesus at all times. Look, this ministry might not be a football team, okay? But we already established that we have a logo. You guys have something with a narrow logo on it? You guys also have something with the Compass Bible Church logo, I'm sure. And you probably wear these shirts or wear these hats. Who, who's wearing a Compass hat right now? Dude, True North, take it off, man. I'm just kidding. You wear a Compass hat. Uh, we have a logo, and you wear this logo. And what you're telling people is that you belong to this church, and really, ultimately, what you're communicating to people by wearing this logo is that I, I belong to a church, but this means that I belong to God. So my question for you is, are you representing God well? You belong to him? Are you doing what he's asking you to do? Are you doing your job? Are you sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus? And is your behavior honoring to Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you that we can be your people, that we can belong to you, that if we put our trust in you, God, that you claim us as your own, that you adopt us into your family. Thank you, God, so much for the blessing. 
please help us to take seriously the job that you've given us, that we would share the gospel with as many people as we possibly can, that we would look for conversations to have with our friends, that we would be praying for opportunities to ask them about you or invite them to church or anything like that. God, help us to be doing that. And God, please help us to do what honors you in all times, no matter what, what people are saying about us, no matter how bad things may seem, help us to do what honors you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.